Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I had the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Kurt, welcome for another episode of uh, PBT Extra. I'm thrilled uh, because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Much, much, much to discuss. But first and foremost, how was your weekend? How was it's, your good. it's good. You know what the buzz is in our house this week? And you're a music guy. You love music. So this is sort of up your alley. I don't, although I'm not sure you're his guy. Harry Styles starts his L.A. residency of like 15 concerts this week. Wow. And if you have three teenage daughters in the house, Harry Styles is now everything for like the next two weeks. Like the girls are going, uh, there's a couple of nights we have tickets for them to go. It, it, they're, my daughter is coming back from college for one night to go see Harry Styles and then go back up to Santa Barbara. Like it, they are obsessed with this. So it's, it's Harry Styles week in our house, man. I, what, what's going on in your house? It's, it's probably not yeah. Harry Styles week. No, it's not. Uh, how, how long is that drive from Santa Barbara to where you are? Uh, she's on the train, so it's not too bad, but the drives look, it's as with all things in LA traffic dependent anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours, but usually wow. right two. I mean, still for a concert, that's, that's, that's love right there. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, uh, no Harry Styles for me. Um, I am, uh, it's been pretty nice, uh, here in New York. It's like, it's weird. It got a little warmer. So I, I just been kind of, but the, but the leaves are changing. So I just walk around the parks and just kind of like taking it all in. It's, um, it's very much like a fall rom-com in New York city right now. Uh, <laughs> and it just, I'm kind of living, you know, I went, I went to a little, there's this really amazing uh, book. Like I live in, by this park and they have these little, like, you know, the little libraries, those bookstores, yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like the ones that are community book yeah. thing, you can take one, leave one. And you would not believe what I found in this. I mean, I was expecting to see like self-help books, you know, like, I don't know, like romance novels. I don't know what you put into a community library in the middle of Queens in a park. I found uh, three Theban plays by Sophocles. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there I was, Kurt. I'm sitting here. I was walking. I was like, no way. It's a Penguin classic. Like, this is awesome. So I grab it and I ended up going, a friend invited me to the, the Yankees playoff game where they got swept by the Astros. So I go up to the, the Yankees game and I get there early. It's rain delay. So I'm reading Antigone. <laughs> in stadium, waiting, waiting for the Yankee game. But that was my, that was my week. I, I think you tied the tragedies in nicely, though. So there yeah, you go. No, the I mean, morning, morning uh, broke out. But um, let's talk about basketball. Enough yeah. of Antigone, Sophocles, enough of baseball. Uh, we're kind of surprised. I'm surprised. I don't know if you're surprised. It's still early. I know we're only a few yeah. games in, but the Blazers. Yeah. I mean, Portland is four zero. The yeah. Spurs. Shout out to San Antonio. Three and one, Utah Jazz, three and one. So what, what are your thoughts on these teams? Uh, is this sustainable? I think Portland is for sure. Like I've really been impressed with them. First off, Lillard, right? 
Lillard is back. He got that core surgery last year. You watched him play. I mean, doesn't he look like his old self again? The same burst, the same shot. Yeah. Um, and he's doing this well, and it's back to game time, which is great. I mean, if you, like, because part of it, of course, is like the physical side. But then the other part of it is mentally, you know, being yeah. that guy, being that alpha. Yeah, and I think he got there. I'm I'm a little more worried about your Spurs. They, they, they're three and one is a great start. You know, what, man, they're playing hard. They're playing really hard. But I, it's interesting. I was talking to a scout friend of mine this week and I said something like, man, the Spurs and the Jazz are starting fast. And he goes, yeah, you never want to play the teams you think are going to tank early in the season because they still care. They haven't been beaten down by losing. Management still wants to win. Like everything's still in their favor to kind of put their best foot forward. So they're much tougher to play now than in like February. And I'm like, eh, maybe that's the case. The Spurs though, Greg Popovich works miracles, doesn't he? I mean, he just he gets guys to play hard, and Devin Vassell's awesome. Yeah, yeah, there there is a really good piece of it. It's just so young, uh, but yeah. I, I think that's one thing that you, I will say that I love about um, uh, this part early in the season when you when you think about okay, with the different timelines of the NBA season, you know there are different um, lives, and that first life. You know, all the great teams, I think, other than the Bucks, who started off really hot, right? But yeah. a lot of the great teams, like, you're, you're still trying to figure things out, you know, playing around with some things. Potentially, you can you could argue it's almost like an extension of the preseason. Like, let's throw around some lineup change. Let's, like, let's figure – let's play around a little bit. You know, like, get our feet underneath us. Especially, like, the Warriors, you'll see people coming after them, playing their best basketball against Golden State because they're defending champs. You know, and then after you get your little – okay, you get your sea legs, now yeah. let's start playing basketball. And then every single week or month after that – the best teams just continue to get better and better and better and better. I think no one, you know, encapsulates that better than last year's Boston Celtics. Right. Yeah. Start off terribly and then end up going to the NBA finals. So I think the, the flip side of that is that these three teams are probably <laughs> doing the opposite. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think Portland will come back, but I think that they're like, we've talked about this in the preseason. The West is really deep already. And when you get Portland off to a fast start, when you get new Orleans off to a fast start, picking up, I mean, they beat Dallas the other night without Zion, without Brandon Ingram, without Herb Jones, who's their best defender and would have gotten the Luka assignment. Like, that win is huge for them. They're off to this three-and-one start, and suddenly if you're one of those teams kind of stumbling, and I think the war – I'm not really worried about the Warriors getting it together, but, the, you know, I've been around the Clippers, and there is very much a sense of – and the Warriors have this too. It's a marathon. It is a long season. We're not stressing about – wins and losses too much this early in the year. Like we just want to get better. We want to kind of ramp this thing up and build something. And that sounds great, but it gets crowded if you're trying to get into the playoffs and the, you get the trailblazers off to a fast start. And so the Pelicans are there and suddenly you've got a lot more teams to get by. It just becomes a lot harder. There's not, not going to be a lot of nights off in the West this year. Yeah. I think that the jockeying for position, you know, that's a very fascinating argument. You could, you, it's a very fascinating, fascinating discussion in general. You, know, you can argue, okay, well, you know, what what do you need to, to do here? Are we trying to get like, obviously, you want home court advantage in the playoffs. So you're thinking, okay, well, there, there's a certain you really want those positions. But then, if you're a great team, you're thinking, okay, I'd much rather develop that chemistry, right, and and hit our stride when we need to hit our stride. I always think of it like um like track and field. I remember when I was covering track and field as a reporter. Um, one of the things that's fascinating is some people like it depends on where they are in the training cycle. You know, they're 
they're competing for like different outcomes, you know, like some people are trying to win that race. Other people are like, okay, I'm just started my season and I just want to make sure I get my, whatever, my wind up, or I want to work on this. So I'm actually working on this time. It doesn't really matter what the outcome of the race is. It's more of a training session for me. Other people are like, okay, I just trained hard. I'm hitting in my peak. Now this is like, I'm trying to go for worlds or for the Olympics. So it depends on where you are in your training cycle. And I think that's just an important kind of like metaphor for us to remind ourselves of, like you said, this is a marathon for the best teams and for the short teams, I think for the bad teams, I think they're looking at this like a, like a sprint and then reevaluate and then say, okay, are we going to tank or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I look at 20 games into the season. I think you're going to see teams do exactly that. And, Hey, where are we on this? What do we really want to do? What's our goals this season? And then, We've talked about it. I expect some surprise teams to just pull the ripcord and say, because of Wembayamba, because of Scoot Henderson, because the potential prizes are so high this year that I'm sorry, Adam Silver. I know you've spent the week talking about how we shouldn't be taking, but there's going to be more of it. And it's not just, Corey, it's not finishing like with the worst record or the second worst record because you get your 14%. When they flattened out the odds, they flattened out the odds. So you used to be when you were sixth or eighth or ninth, hey, your odds aren't very good. You know, if you should be pushed for the playoffs, your odds aren't very good. They're not bad now. And suddenly if you want the first or second pick and you're like, yeah, but if we lose another, we lose a little and we get a 12% chance of one of the top two picks, you might be willing to take that. Yeah, that's like some advanced calculus, though. I can imagine people yeah. like abacuses, GMs with abacuses trying to figure out the odds as we go on. I want to get your thoughts on two different teams really quick. Um, high expectations for the Philadelphia 76ers. They're one and three at their current moment. Um, and the offense seems to be James, James Harden um, dribbling. And, you know, and, and then the other one, uh, Miami Heat, also one and three. Uh, what concerns do you have for both of those um, teams? I'm genuinely more concerned about the Heat. Um, their offense has been frankly, pretty bad, like just not consistent at all. Um, and Jimmy Butler hasn't played poorly, which is the concern there. It's like Jimmy Butler's playing okay, and your offense is still struggling. Tyler Hero's been mostly pretty good as a starter, but they're not in a groove right now offensively. And the defense that normally saves them when the offense isn't there has been kind of middle of the pack. It's just been okay. And that that's not good enough for Miami. And, again, that's the situation the East is like the West. If you stumble out of the gate too deep, like it's 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 suddenly hard to catch up because there's so many good teams. I, I think Philadelphia. Don't you feel like they're more likely to turn it around? Like they're kind of playing the long game. Joel Embiid's not 100. percent Their ball does. They do move the ball on the half court sometimes. Sometimes it's a little too much Harden, but sometimes they're doing. Like you can see. I think is it just me or do you see flashes of a good, a really good team in there? Uh, for for me, Philadelphia is. Um... It's just, I feel like half the time it's like a mirage. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm I'm sojourning in some deep desert, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, where's water? You know, and I see Joel Embiid playing MVP caliber. And I'm like, oh, it's water. And I get close. I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's you know, it's actually, you know, it's, you know, he's MVP again. You know, like, I feel like that's what, like, I always feel like there's a mirage in Philadelphia. So I, I could see there are these flashes of brilliance, but I just don't know if it's real or not. And that, and that I think is the most heartbreaking. I mean, my heart just broke as I said that because you know mm-hmm. I know how passionate Philadelphia fans are, and I know how I mean their teams are playing so well right now. But yeah. Like maybe they can grab something from the baseball and football. Maybe that I yeah. just creeps into basketball. I don't know because everyone else seems to be playing really well. But yeah, I, I, it's it's maybe good for them that they're all distracted by the Phillies right now, right? So they're not getting the same 
attention in the media from everybody in Philadelphia right now. I get that. By the way, I will say what worries me about them is when I watch them, if you've got James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Maxey plays hard, but he's not a big guy. Mm-hmm. That's an undersized backcourt, and you need Joel Embiid to be at his peak. And like you said, he's not his conditioning isn't there yet. He's not that guy. Their defense struggles now, but I keep looking at it and thinking, I don't – yeah, Embiid starts playing like Embiid, and it gets a little better. But you get into a playoff series, and I, I am more concerned when they go up against a Bucks slash Celtics elite team that I'm not sure defensively if they can hang after watching them the first couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we have seen teams get better, you know, as the season goes on yeah. defensively. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. But I, I do think I agree with you. For me, I think you said the magic number twenty. You know, that's where I think you're going to get an idea of okay, well, you know, who are we as a team? What what are our our, our like our chances? You know, going forward, and I think they're going to start seeing the dust settle. So for me, I don't really look at like the just how good a team is until about, you know, you have a little bit of time, just, you yeah. know, you a little yeah. bit of a data set. So for me, that's about 20 games. And then we could really start doing the brutal kind of like the naked, like, okay, what do we really think about this team? Until then yeah. I kind of get people benefit of the doubt to come and go. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial day savings at the home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas like power of the real 40 volt battery powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with a 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Jay Crowder because we know that uh, Crowder is... Very vocal about not being in Phoenix. Uh, what updates do you have? What, what do you think? What team should be looking for him? First off, I've got to say, if, if, if for people listening, go to NBCSports.com. I posted a story on the Suns today um, talking about their bounce back season. Well, not really a bounce back season, but how they handled the, the kind of crushing exit and the lower expectations. And look, they look really good to start the season and they kind of look like that 64 win team again. So I talked to Monty Williams and there's some other stuff in there about that. So. Go to NBC Sports, check that out. Crowder is part of the reason I think we were all done. I'm like, man, they just, Jay Crowder's not there. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that because the places, the places that keep coming up as options, Miami is definitely interested. They've got a PJ Tucker sized hole to fill <laughs> at the four, but until January 15th, they don't really have a trade that works. The, the Suns mm-hmm. aren't interested in Dun- Duncan Robinson. And the salaries don't match up, so the Suns would have to send more out. It's it's just kind of it's just kind of messy. So it's hard to make a trade before January fifteenth, and then Dwayne Deadman and some other guys come available, and, and maybe something can be worked out. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be on the market that long. The Bucks are absolutely interested, but again, it's a little trickier fit. But the Bucks also have a PJ Tucker sized hole at the four that they would like. There's a lot of teams that would like to replace PJ Tucker with Jay Crowder, right? Like. Um, the other name that comes up, I know the Hawks have come up. I'm not sure about that one. Like, just, A, he doesn't want to come off the bench in Phoenix. John Collins has been fantastic to start the year in Atlanta. You're coming off the bench in Atlanta. And, again, they since they extended DeAndre Hunter, they don't have a clean trade number. So this is one that could drag out a little while, I'm afraid, Corey, which is kind of weird because he's valuable, right? He's valuable. And, and I think, like you said, you already saw what he could do for a really good Miami team. We, you know, so that, yeah. that bit you already know exists, you know? So I think that's why 
it's like, oh, just come back home in that sense. Um, and and both those teams that you mentioned, other, other than, you know, not Atlanta, but Miami and Milwaukee, they both kind of have like the same type of personality, which is we do us, you know, yeah. we're going to go fly yeah. under the radar. We know what we do really well. You know your role, you come in, you know, and just help us win. That's all that matters. It, the thing that concerns me right now about, like you said, about Crowder is that he like in, in Phoenix, it seems like that would also like you're you're going to be one of the top teams in the NBA. Like like the, the comeback season is not necessarily you know it's like they had 64 wins last year. You know, like they were so it's like they had a disappointing exit, like you said. But they're still a really good team, and you would think that okay, you understand the role, you want to be a part of it, you want to be valued here and win a championship. Phoenix would be a pretty good place to be. So that's kind of where I'm conf- confused as far as like, well, what exactly does he want? You know, is it going to be like a Jeremy Grant thing where, you know, you could have been a great role player for Denver, but you didn't want to, you know, you, you wanted to be the guy. But then, you know, the, the cost of being the guy is that, you know, you, you become expendable, you know? So that's kind of one of the issues that there's more scrutiny, you become expendable if, if it doesn't work out. So I think that is the biggest question for me. I'm like, well, Crowder would be essentially doing almost the same thing, you know, for another yeah. great team. So why move? That's my personal opinion. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it was not get what, – what the rumor is is that he didn't get an extension that he wanted, and they essentially told him, hey, we want more shooting in the starting line, so Cameron Johnson's going to start. And Cameron Johnson's played well. He is younger. He is more athletic. He absolutely shoots better than Crowder at this point in their careers. But push comes to shove in the playoffs, man. Mm. I trust Crowder. I, I, nothing against Cameron Johnson. He's young. I know that I can trust Jay Crowder to hit big shots, defend and defend up, right? Like defend guys bigger than him. Like it's a valuable skill. And it's kind of when you start looking at matchups way down the line, that's one of those things where you're like, you could, everybody could use a Crowder. Yeah. I mean, you think about like what Grant Williams was for, you know, the Celtics down the stretch, you know, same kind of concept there. Um, so one thing I, I think is, uh, an interesting note that I would want to get your, your thoughts on is uh, the Lakers. I, I know we talked about uh, Fitz. Russell Westbrook uh, has not been a great fit for no. LA. And we thought last year, we're like, okay, we'll give it time. You know, he's this guy, former franchise player. I know he's had a rough couple of years uh, recently being bopped around the league, but potentially, you know, just it'll be like Space Jam. It'll work out, right? I think. And it didn't work out. And it has continued not to work out, even with the new head coach, uh, Ham, who Darwin Ham said like early on, he's been very vocal and supportive of Russ Westbrook coming on, you know, coming into the season, which a lot of people are like, what are you going to do with Russ Westbrook? Given that backdrop, uh, what is what is happening with Russ? What do, what do the Lakers need to do? I, I'm wondering, Corey, are they getting to a point where addition by subtraction is just the best move? Mm-hmm. Like I, you watch him play and you can see it wasn't everybody's focused on the and, and rightfully, by the way, on the shot with I think it was 27 seconds or 30 seconds left in the game against Portland when they're up one and you want to run out the clock and there's 18 seconds on the clock. And he just walks into a mid range and shoots a hero ball shot. Um, and, you know, there's video of LeBron and Anthony Davis kind of like raising their hands like what? But there were a lot of other plays at the end of that game um, where he wasn't eager to go set screens and do the things that he said he would do that Darvin Hand needs him to do that the Lakers need him to do. Um, and I'll just say after the game being around the Lakers, there was, the tension was palpable. Like the, mm. their frustration level after that loss 
was pretty intense. So I'm really curious where they go from here because it's ramped up trade talks and all sorts of like, what do you do about Westbrook? Even though, wouldn't you say, Corey, in some way, look, I don't want to say he's not been a problem because he has. He's also a scapegoat right now for a lot of things that are wrong beyond just him, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, you saw what happened last year, right? Like Vogel was the one that got, you know, axed. But now I I think it's going to come down to the fact that, look, something's going to happen with Russell. You know, that's just kind of like, there's there's nothing else you can do. The thing that you're right, though, it is interesting. Right now, no one's going to blame LeBron or Anthony Davis, especially if Anthony Davis is healthy. Um, And and I think it's unfairly, we've always talked about the secret to this team. And even Darvin Ham said this, right? In in a press conference, like Anthony Davis, right? Like it's like everyone knows that that's the secret to the team. And yet like we have this red herring. It's almost like, I feel like we're watching like a magician, you know, on stage. It's like, everyone's like playing with this. And then the, you know, he does the real car trick over there or the, you know, that's what's happening. It's like Russell Westbrook is like the, the sleight of hand where everyone gets their attention and all the you know, intention goes there. But the real magic is clearly Anthony Davis. Yeah. Everyone's been very clear about that. But if, if they were to remove Westbrook, I do think, um, I think, I think the team would be better. Right. But I do think you're right. It's going to be more of a, of, of, a, of a, just a clear look at, well, who really are the Lakers and are we getting sold, you know, a false bill of goods? Yeah. I mean, look, Russell Westbrook has not shot the ball. Well, but neither has Kendrick Nunn, neither has Patrick Beverly, neither has – like all these guys, they, they just don't have shooting right now. Uh, LeBron is their best shooter, and, Corey, they won a championship the long – since Miami, the book on – and, and back before that in Cleveland, the book on building a team around LeBron is surround him with shooting, right? Like let LeBron be LeBron and surround him with shooting. And, and, and Anthony Davis is sort of the same way. He can get buckets, but he can also distribute – He's drawing attention. You can move the ball. They just can't shoot. And at the end of the day, like the, the name of the game is to put the little leather ball through the metal hoop, man. Like it's not, it, it, they, they are struggling to do that from the outside. Portland ran zone against them and packed it in. And I think you're going to see more of that where teams are just going to be like, go under every screen, pack the paint, take away. Cause we're going to make them shoot Westbrook going away. I, I, by the way, I think the next step and I, I, I imagine Ham's a little hesitant. Next step is to bring him off the bench as a sixth man. But they I played think- around, they like played around with that concept too. It's like remember he yeah. said like he thought he almost tweaked something muscular because he never for 14 years he yeah. never had that you know in his pregame routine, which I thought was an interesting comment. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's a real question about like if he does that, what's the reaction, right? Like how does this really go if he brings Westbrook off the bench? Is it more disruptive? what they're dealing with now so and, yeah more just I mean, and that's a hard concept for more more to be more disruptive yeah, i think the essential the trade the essential thing is like when you think about like west russell westbrook like for me it's addition by subtraction just purely in the uh decision making category you know and i think that because like, like you're yeah. saying the team is not they're not very good shooting team period you know it's not like russell i mean at the beginning of the season kurt i looked at the first game right and you had the Lakers putting up 40 plus three pointers, which by the way, just shows you how the, you know, the, the NBA is going, but if that's the way that you need just to be competitive or be a you know championship contender, you're going to have to shoot, you know, a good percentage of a 40 plus three pointers a game. And you're shooting, you're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. This is just like simple math. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're not going to be successful playing that yeah. side. Yeah. It, well, you have to take what the defense gives you, right? Like in every sport, as a, 
as a receiver, you had routes like, all right, they're playing me off. I've got to cut this off and, you know, take the shorter. You take, you, you throw underneath until you can open up something else, right? Everybody's going to give them jumpers all day long, that entire roster until they start hitting them. So, I, again, removing Westbrook or trading him, they're, the trades are still out there. The Lakers wanted to, again, wait till about 20 games and see if the market shifted, if anything shifted. But the losses, the tension piles up on those, right? Like now you're going, and by the way, they've got Denver, then Minnesota, then Denver again. And like their, their schedule, New Orleans comes to town. Like it's good team after good team after good team. That's again, part of the West, but there's no like, oh, you know what? The Lakers can just rack up a win here night hanging out there for them. Like it, it's, and as that snowballs, that pressure to do something builds. Yeah, no, it, I, I agree. It's kind of, maybe you know what? Maybe Russ just needs a music recommendation, Corey. Like you, <laughs> you're a music guy. I, I think we should. We've got a new segment called Corey's Jukebox. I, I, I want to hear some recommendations for you for players and teams. Man, what? what yeah, you know? I think the way I, I thought about this is, you know, if I was going to, because I like portraits, you know, like sketches, you know, I, I like covering an art background. If I was going to paint someone with music or a team with music, how would I, you know? That's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. You know, I think that's kind of the way I was thinking about it. And it also, these are also great songs, so they definitely double as reps. <laughs> so if anyone wants to add these to your, you know, your playlist, be my guest. First one, we got to start with some Sam Cooke because we just got, I mean, soul. So in L.A., I was thinking, okay, well, if I think about the Lakers, I think about Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come, right? That song, to me, is emblematic of this team because you have one of the best players to ever play basketball on that roster, and he's playing exceptional basketball. He's still, like, playing a very, a very high brand of basketball. Then you have Anthony Davis, who's one of the most, you know, singularly talented players. So you think, okay, well, at a certain point, something has to has to flip just off of, like, those two guys by, by virtue of them being on your team, right? Then you add in, and I, this is a big thing for you, Kurt, defense. The, the Lakers are top three. Yeah, they're, they're second in the league right now, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, so you think, okay, I know there's not shooting well. And back to your earlier point of, okay, well, take what defense gives you. If their shooting does improve and you get that spacing and you allow you know LeBron to do his thing and Anthony Davis to do his thing, this team all of a sudden becomes really good, you know, in that sense. So I think, but if you start, if you start with the the defense, it's so funny, Kurt. I was looking at this old this old interview back in the archives on NBA.com with Wayne the Vault of Carl Malone talking to Chick Hearn in Carl Malone's rookie year, right? And and he was, and one of the things that Chick Hearn was saying is like, oh, it's funny because a lot of people, what's the transition been like for you? And Carl Malone said, everyone thinks that no one plays defense in the NBA. They're wrong. Like, this is like, you got to play good defense. And he was breaking it down for the, you know, from the perspective, like, I have to guard James Worthy tonight. And if I don't yeah. play defense on him, he can score 30 easy. And I think that in today's NBA, we focus so much. It's an offensive game, and they've like, called it to, you know, promote the offensive game just because it's a prettier game and it's a better, you know, product for fans. But you still got to play defense. The best teams in the league who go to the finals are great defensive teams, like the Celtics, for instance, the Warriors. I mean, so if you think about that, that comment 40 years ago, it's funny how history repeats itself. Yeah, I think that's good. By you, but I'm glad you made that point. That Darvin Ham, he's gotten them to play defense. He's gotten them to run. Like, so if you focus on that and then kind of work backwards and trust that the offense will be there, knowing that you have two great offensive weapons in LeBron and and um, and Anthony Davis, I think eventually a change is going to come. And also that song is like kind of sad too. 
And I was, I was thinking, like, right now, if for L.A. to be this bad, it's just sad for the NBA. It's just sad for that people. Um, next up, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. This one I want to take you to the realm of Tony Bennett. I, I love, um, like, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, that type of music. Taking a chance on love. Go look at the lyrics of that. It's saying, you know, I'm starry-eyed again. I'm going to, you know, try to fall in love again. That's what I feel about the Atlanta Hawks. Ever since Trey Young became, you know, everyone's favorite supervillain in Madison Square <laughs> Garden. And yeah. that team, we saw something that was so special there for a brief moment. And then we thought they were going to continue to build off of that. They didn't, right? And then this season, they made some big moves. Like their owners were saying, okay, look, we're going to try to make some big moves. We're going to spin. They apparently thought they were able to do that, you know, um, getting to Jonte Murray. And now it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll fall in love with this team again. You know, maybe I'll be starry-eyed again. Last year, they let me down in a big way. But, you know, I was like, potentially, you know, with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and John Collins playing the way they are, maybe I'll do it again. And that's kind of that, – that was my take on that song. That's, actually, that's a great take because there's a lot to like there. And for all the concerns you can have about fit, that's a, that's a fun team. And it's a, that's a great song fit because – I think we all want to, right? Yeah, we all want to. Exactly. Like, I know, I know Trey Young's like a super villain in that sense, but like you, you do, I mean, we watch superhero movies. Like, you know, you do really want to, you know, like you want to see Lex Luthor versus Superman. You know, like you want to see those kind of like Joker versus Batman. Like you kind of want to see that in any type of great narrative. So I, I kind of like, I feel like he's just so young and they're trying to figure it out and they're all so young. But I think there's something really special happening there. Or, you know, I could be heartbroken again. You know, that's, that's the risk. You take a chance on love. Uh, last but not least, um, to wrap up the, the segment, I was thinking Kevin Durant, the singular player. I was thinking, okay, well, how would I describe Kevin Durant? And, and the correct answer is uh, The Blueprint uh, by Jay-Z. I was just thinking, like, do the whole album, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> like the whole album. Uh, because I, I thought he, to me, is like the Oprah of basketball. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, the two highest played basketball players as far as, you know, salary are concerned are LeBron James, who's in his late 30s, and Kevin Durant, who's in his early 30s. And Kevin Durant is someone who is just such a master at manipulating the media. And the thing is, he'll tell you exactly what he's doing and then just do it. You know, the way that he can manipulate media on Twitter, but then disappear. Yeah. He also has this amazing ability to be invisible at the same time as being one of the most vocal people, you know, in sports. And he understands that if he goes to a press conference um, and says John Morant is unlike anything we've ever seen before, that's going to be one of the top stories on every sports news. You know, every everyone's going to write about that. So he can manipulate um, basically like honors for his fellow peers. And he's always been, like one of the captains for the all-star teams, too. So he can. So like, I, I think he is very aware of that position. In addition to the fact that he's winning Oscars um, and Emmys and producing um, content for other people and he doesn't have to be the star of it. I think he's very much becoming like an Oprah kind of figure, uh, which is like an amazing thing to see a basketball player do that. I think he could be the first basketball player EGOT winner easily. He, he is. That's that, that'd be an interesting like I, the EGOT chase. He, I could see him being in there. He is. He does things thoughtfully, right? Like he genuinely doesn't do things rashly, or very rarely does things rashly. And even the stuff that's kind of comes off as rash and doesn't go his way like hey fire the coach and the gm or you know like that was just a leverage play he knew what it was, exactly. he, knew it was he knew how it was going to play he knew exactly how it was going to work out probably likely to work out but it was the only the only card he had left to play so he played it and it didn't work and he moved on 
And I think that that's, it's interesting you brought up his Twitter because there's a lot of people like, he's so thin skinned and he takes all this stuff first. And I'm like, he's playing. He's just playing out there. I don't, he's not taking it personally. He's, he's good with himself. I think I think he's like, like I said the first like basketball not the first but he is kind of like a basketball mogul in that sense you know yeah. he has boardroom and I, I think he understands like how to run a media company I think he intuitively understands how media works and I think he sees it beyond of just like okay well most people think I play basketball then I become an analyst right like I think he sees it like I play basketball then I become I own a media company and like <laughs> I and I then hire analysts and that's what I mean like that's a that's a Jay Z model that's an Oprah model you know you make billionaires. You know, like yeah. that's a different mindset. And I think that's how he sees it. So that's uh, that's Corey's jukebox. What do you what do you think? I love it, man. We, we got to do this. We'll be back. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't I'm not sure when, but we are definitely bringing this back, Corey. You, you were fantastic. And uh, I love this segment. Sweet. Now, I, I want to get you, I, I want I want to move uh, ahead to this weekend because uh, there are some it's not the best slate of games this weekend. You know, we're going to be honest here. We're not going to we're not going yeah. <laughs> to be uh, deceitful in that sense. Not the best. Any games catch your eye? Are there any matchups you're looking forward to? A few things. I mean, first off, the NBA does this every year, right? They load up the first week or two with stars on stars and, and these big games to get everybody's attention. Then you got to start grinding through the season. But um, the two things I think I'm watching are, A, again, the Lakers. Like I said, their, their schedule's brutal. Things are getting tense there. Like, well, do they pile up more losses or do they find some wins? But I'll tell you the other team, I, and I mentioned them earlier, Pelicans, man. I, I, the Pelicans are getting wins, doing it, and, and having fun, but their schedule gets serious. Mm. Suns, both LA teams, then they go home after that and get the Warriors. Like so, I think we're, I think we're going to find out a little more about Zion and company after this week. Zion, what are you looking forward to? Well, be really quick on the Pelicans. Even what is the likelihood Zion finishes this season healthy? I, I want to believe. Back to Tony Bennett. I, I still want to believe, man. I, I um, the, the injury he had is pretty minor. The posterior contusion he bruised his butt, dude. He, he he got fouled. He fell. I mean, it was a pretty nasty fall. If you've seen it, pretty fall flat fall on his back. It was sore for a day. He's supposed to be back. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that his new diet and his new exercise regimen and he, you know dropped some weight. All, I'm hoping all this does it because he's so much fun to watch. So, and even with that optimistic outlook, is it, is it 60%, 65%? I'm not sure what that number is, man. Yeah. And that's going to, I think you're right. It's encouraging to see them play well without him. But yeah. but we also saw that last season. And I think that New Orleans fans are probably, there's going <laughs> to come a time, Kurt, when you think, didn't we just pay you like $200 million, <laughs> you know? And, and, we're, and we're getting into playing games and we're playing well without you. I think this is when you have to control, you know, the, the sentiment here of like, okay, well, th- this is one of those scenarios in which you you need to, if you're not producing on the on the field, I mean, on the court, you have to produce. That's like the number one thing. But if you're not, and you're in that scenario where sentiment might turn against you, you got to get involved in the community. You got to be out there. You got to be like all over New Orleans. You know, you got to be one of those fixtures because right now I think Zion's in a perilous position. If this team plays well and he keeps getting injured. After this huge contract, I, I think people's patience are going to get really th- – I mean, it's going to get real thin. I, I, I agree, yeah. Other games, you know, of course, Spurs. Love yeah. that. But I, I, I do I do want to draw your attention to Mavs Nets. I think that's interesting on paper. 
Yes. Ben Simmons um, has had trouble adjusting to. I mean, he keeps fouling out. Uh, so he, he has. He has. As of today, Corey. As of us recording this, he has three more points than personal fouls this season. Wow. Just let that sink in for a second. That's a very <laughs> that's a crazy stat. <laughs> that's a crazy stat. What, what do you think contributes to that? Is that just? I mean, it's such, it's such a radically different NBA, I guess, because he missed all. I mean, he's been out yeah. of the game for a minute. I think I think the fouling, he's just adjusting to what he can and can't do physically and, and finding those lines. And, and and as you know, as anybody who's played a sport knows, those lines kind of move game to game. It's what one ref calls is not what another ref calls. And, and you know, you, you have to adjust. But I also think he's just struggling shooting. Like he's not racking up a lot of points. Um, he's not shooting from the outside at all. And so you've got to get inside to the paint and it's kind of crowded in there. And he, he just isn't finishing. He's not finding the space and finishing the way he, he did before, but that may come with time. I do. I do think though that he's in, as far as like what the Nets are asking him to do, he's in a very good position because Steve Nash made it very clear. He's like, we're not looking for him to score. Like we have like, <laughs> Like we have Kevin Durant, like we have Kyrie Irving, like they're not necessarily asking him to do that. I think what they're asking him to do is like play a Dennis Rodman role for them, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think that if that is the outcome, is like you know Dennis Rodman, but like handle the ball. If like you know what I'm saying, like because he has right. uh, yeah. such a unique skill set, Ben Simmons does. But like Dennis Rodman made the Hall of Fame doing what he did very well, and you know won championships. So I think that's kind of like the comp that I would say to yeah. a lot of people is like a freak of nature physically that is one of one that plays incredible defenses at high energy and brings that kind of like, you know, the edge to every game. That's what the, the Nets are asking him to do. So it is almost an interesting stat in that, in that light, you know, perhaps that stat you did just, you just said that is three more points and personal fouls is actually a compliment. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? And the problem is, and, and for them right now is that their defense isn't good. Their, their yeah. defense is bad. They're scoring plenty, but they score 30 a game with Durant and, Irving scored 37 and they still lose, right? To the Pelicans. They're not getting stops. They've got to find a way to, and and Simmons is at the heart of this uh, and Nick Claxton too. They've, they've, they've got to do better getting stops if they're going to, if they're going to write this ship. And and you mentioned it. I mean, you kind of undersold it actually. The defense, they're they're 30th. (laughs) I mean, they're, I mean, they're like the the bottom of the barrel in defense right now with with the, 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 you know, star in, in Ben Simmons too. They're the bizarro Lakers, right? Like, Offense is fine. Defense is terrible. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, yeah. And then uh, another team that I thought was interesting um, is uh, the the Nuggets. I know they're playing the Lakers. Where where are you on the Nuggets right now? Because we have been waiting to see yeah. this team really hit. And it hasn't really clicked to start the season. And met, I, I, this is one of those games, teams, I think, where the 20-game marker is a better – like you just – We've got to be patient. Jamal Murray's just back. Michael Porter Jr. is moving well, is shot shooting well. I'm not really worried about Jokic, but it doesn't, when you watch him, it still feels like a little your turn, my turn. Like it's just not meshing the way it, it will. And I, maybe they just, I'm kind of in the, I'm, I'm really in a wait and see mode with them. What about you? I see a couple different routes here. I'm afraid it might go, I think that game in the bubble, I always go back to that, see, that, that series in the bubble between you know Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Yeah. Um, I thought that was the moment where you said, okay, well, potentially you could have two stars you know, being born in the NBA. We saw what happened in Utah. And they ended up being, you know, it, it, it was an implosion, right? Yeah. 
And I think that what you see with Denver, I think it might be a similar route here. It's, it's fascinating. You have such a talented player in Jokic and you have such a patient organization and you're in a very unique spot where you don't necessarily have that pressure. Even, I mean, and this is crazy to think about. They have a back-to-back MVP, everyone's healthy and still we're like, Denver, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's a pretty crazy place to be in as far as expectations. We'd, we'd, we'd much rather talk about Portland than Denver or, you know, or like the Lakers yeah. than Denver. And that's like a really interesting place to be in as far as, you know, being in a bubble and, and ignoring the outside noise. However, I do think this season will be kind of like the, the turning point for management and be like, okay, well, look, we gave, we were very patient with this and maybe our investment is not just playing out. It might be time to rebuild, you know, as far as like around a different group. So I, I, that's kind of like, I think they might go the Utah route. If, you know, depending on the success of this, I think this is a critical season for them. That's an interest. That's an interesting analogy. Yeah. I mean, like I said, both of them, like Utah and Denver are both kind of like in their own space. You know, that's like a unique yeah. part of the country as far as like basketball teams are concerned with NBA. Like they kind of do their own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, so I do think that Denver might go that way if it doesn't work out, um, which is a fascinating idea. Cause I mean, if you really think about it, to, to break up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and that whole squad, that was a pretty crazy concept. You know, at least for me, I was like, man, you know, and, and it happened. So who knows? Yeah, no, it's, it's not a lot of, there were a lot of teams and a lot of owners who would have looked at that and said, wait, we're going to fill the building and win 45 to 50 games a year and be decent. I can live with that. Don't break it up. Let, let's just, let's just be good and make a lot of money for a few years. And to his, Credit, or if you don't like that idea, it's great. But like, I think to his credit, Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge went a different direction. Said, "No, if we're going to win. Let's go do something that wins." So. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Now it's time for the fun segment. Halloween <laughs> is right around the corner. Do you have any plans? Uh, it's funny. I'm going to a party this weekend, but it's not a Halloween party. It's a uh, Oktoberfest party. So we're. Oh. Well, um, I am not wearing lederhosen. I'm sorry to disappoint Corey and. and much to the joy of my wife, who probably didn't want to see me in Lederhosen. But I'm going to that. We're going to drink beer, and uh, we're making potato dumplings. And like, I, I would use the German pronunciation, but I couldn't begin to say that word in German. I, my German is not near good enough for that. So we're doing that. And, uh, you know, um, not much else. It's, it's, we're not the, our kids are a little old for the uh, trick-or-treating. So I'm a little disappointed I don't have to steal some of their candy now. Yeah, it's funny, like the the traditions. I never really was a big like Halloween tradition guy. I know it's in New York. It's like one of the biggest holidays. I mean, it's huge here. I mean, it's absolutely massive. Um, But uh, I'm going to like this artist dinner, which would be fun on Halloween. But then um, for an organization that I support. But this, uh, the concept for me when I was in college, that's when I kind of started taking Halloween a little more seriously. Um, But like I said, I, I don't like parties. So I did a different thing. And so what I used to do with me and my friends, we'd go to, um, there were all these pumpkin patches in the Midwest. So we'd go to a pumpkin patch. We'd, you know, dress in fall clothes, go to a pumpkin patch, just hang out all day, do like the corn maze, like do all like the fun, you know, drink apple cider, pick out pumpkins, take them back uh, to campus at Notre Dame, and then carve them, have a pumpkin carving contest, then like roast the seeds, the pumpkin seeds, oh, and then the watch best. like a, like a childhood like Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> that's like a Halloween movie. Oh. And we would always watch things like Halloween Town, you know? Oh wow! Or, or like or like the Nightmare Before Christmas, like you know, like just yeah. classic like like 
old movies that we used to watch growing up. And that was kind of like Halloween. So it was more like a very family friendly, you know, I guess, you know, yeah. it's just very family friendly, but it's more about a celebration of fall than, you know, like a Halloween party per se. But yeah. it was fun. Yeah. yeah. That, so that now in New York, I do the same. I, I used to do when I first moved here, I would go up to like, you know, Sleepy Hollow. I would take the train up on the Hudson. You see all the leaves changing. You go walk around Sleepy Hollow, go to Terrytown, get some ice cream. Oh, cool. And then like after walking through the cemetery all day, then come home and like wear a sweater and then watch like Harry Potter, the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> so Harry Potter, Harry Potter are always good Halloween movies. They've, they've all got that vibe. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the time. If you're going to watch Harry Potter, go to Peacock and watch Harry Potter yeah. and just start like, you know, every week heading into like the, the holiday season. But for all the latest NBA news articles and more, go to NBCSports.com slash NBA. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Have a happy and safe Halloween. Enjoy your Oktoberfest. And, um, and I cannot wait. To see you then. I look forward to it. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.